0: This is Elizabeth Spring at North Node Astrology from NorthNodeAstrology.com, and today I think we have a really interesting show for you. Um, I call it A Recipe for Meaning-Making, the Mixing Together and the Cooking of Existentialism, Evolutionary Astrology, and Jungian Psychology. And don't be put off by the uh, the words there. I, I definitely bring this right down to earth for you with a poignant example of uh, um, how this whole way of thinking can be put together and an example from my own life of a friend who committed suicide and, you know, what I wish I had said to him, Uh, before that happened. So, thanks for coming by today, and I hope you get something out of this. Here's a recipe for meaning-making, the mixing together and the cooking of the ideas of existentialism, evolutionary astrology, and Jungian psychology. So let me begin to muse a little. I was born in 1947, towards the beginning of this generation of boomers, and grew up in the 60s and 70s when astrology was beginning to have a renaissance. It was a time when books such as Gail Sheehy's Passages was making the bestsellers list, as well as Linda Goodman's book on astrology. We were, we were ripe for new patterns, guides, and a sense of meaningfulness. Many of us found that we couldn't accept the traditional religions of our fathers anymore. We were lost and looking for answers. And out of the void, we were experimenting. Many of us in this generation visited Paris and sat in the cafes where the existentialists had once sat, places where Jean-Paul Sartre and Albert Camus debated what this idea of living authentically meant and where we talked about the women feminist philosophers such as Simone de Beauvoir and the diarist Anaïs Nin, and the early beat poets who all sought to have a voice. We sat there at those cafe tables drinking our espressos, maybe for the first time, and searching for our own words and true voices and writing in our journals. We were often desperate in our needs for meaningfulness, relationships, freedom. Idealism, skepticism, and anger were all in a confused mix. We yearned for something that we could hold on to spiritually. Yet for so many baby boomers, we got off the flight from Paris and from such heady, freedom and got tossed right back into a less-than-heady stew here in the United States. It was a lot less about philosophy and more about finding a job, a partner, or raising a child. But even back then, we thirsted for a guide for conscious living through the turbulent, uncharted waters. Some of us found help in meditation, particularly uh, TM, Transcendental Meditation, which many of us continue to do. Others uh, found solace and insight in the music of that time, and often in the marijuana highs that went with it. Many of us found gurus that we listened to, follow, became devoted to, and then often became disillusioned with. I imagine myself to be not very different from uh, the listeners of this podcast or the readers of this book. I'm today. I'm, I'm taking uh, uh, some material from "Lifting the Veil: Becoming Your Own Best Astrologer," and uh, to keep going with this thought, you know, we've all been exposed to the same kinds of current events and cultural ways. Yet, what I'd like to share with you is a way to see three of the large ideas of our times uh, uh, in very simple terms and to see how they're connected. And this is in hopes that it will also make me think deeper and connect the dots of some of my half-forgotten truths. The large dots for me were embedded in the concepts of existentialism, evolutionary astrology, and Jungian psychology. And I believe that these can be broken down into some core ideas that are useful and possibly soul-nourishing. And hopefully, I can offer you, the listener, a new perspective as to how they are intimately connected and supported, supportive of each other. Now, because I'm a professional astrologer, I see the astrological part of this recipe as very important because it gives us a uh, pattern for what to expect at the turning points on our life's journey and as a manual for pondering our life direction and soul purpose. Um, this a book that I'm drawing from today and my other books have delved into these viewpoints. The existential worldview is another base with its uh, motivating impulse for having the courage to make meaning out of our littlest actions. And the Jungian worldview pulls it all together by drawing our attention to the numinous self, what some would call God, and showing how what is unconscious could be made conscious, lest we act out our unacknowledged fears and compulsions and the sins of the fathers. So essentially, I'm challenging you to become a meaning maker by seeing how these particular ideas weave together into an invitation to live in a meaningful world created by living out of your authentic self. Now, I know it's likely that many of you have some prejudices about these ideas, i.e. that woo-woo vibrations from planets don't affect us at all. Hey, I think you're right. I don't believe that either. And that those French philosophers were pedantic and a little arrogant? I think you're right. And that Carl Jung was a rich man who slipped into womanizing at times? Yeah, I agree. But there is a way to see each of these traditions differently and to see how their gifts far outweigh misunderstandings and occasional human misbehavior. I believe we live in a time when one of the greatest dangers is not only global warming but global cooling, the idea that we are becoming numb and cool to the sweet vulnerability of human life. I fear that we are losing our ability to see the meaningfulness within and around us and that this desensitization of ourselves and the demonizing of the other person is very dangerous. Violent acts of entertainment and reactionary aggression threatens our ability to grow our souls. The numbing distraction and polarization that we immerse ourselves in through the news, the entertainment, and religious dogmatism is filtering down to our children, causing confusion and despair. It flies in the face of these new paradigms we've been talking about um, in, this, in this book. And let me tell you why I believe this to be true. This last spring, my friend Henry jumped off the city bridge here. His suicide was a shock to our community, as he was not only a well-respected professional man, but a father of three and someone who seemed to really enjoy his, his life, his motorcycle, his guitar playing, And his friends. Henry was a good-looking man and admired for his gentle and humorous ways. What some of us didn't know was what lay below the surface of his life that erupted that particular day last spring when he took his life. The minister at his memorial service was wise enough to say that Henry didn't take his life. His sickness took his life. True, Henry had a lifetime of dealing with intense inner struggle and anger mixed with vulnerability, those qualities we label as anxiety and depression. Many of us didn't know about this. But was his death simply a medical casualty based primarily on his biology? What other factors were happening Now, if Henry had come to me as an astrologer, I would have said that he was in the particular life passage called the second Saturn return, and that everyone in this particular life passage, you know, that usually happens somewhere around the age of 59, 60. These are rocky waters. They're in rocky waters, but it will pass. And I would have looked to give him an approximate time period when this transit would be over, the worst times, and I would have talked to him about the unique challenge of this frequent uh, melancholy time. Knowing that everything runs its course in time can be a great comfort. I would have stressed the temporary nature of this passage and that no matter how hard it was for him to feel good right now, that there would be many chances to make it better feel better. I would have looked at his birth chart and asked if he had considered his anxiety in terms of his parental inheritance and expectations, what I call the family karmic inheritance. We might have talked about how anxiety and anger or resentment can act out in destructive ways. And if there were any ways that following doctor's orders sounded too close to following father's orders. We might have talked about what he truly valued in this life and if there were ways he could make his existence less painful and more meaningful. What if he used a journal like Carl Jung did and imagined what was and what could be? What would it take for him to be authentically responsible to his deepest needs? These are the kind of questions that would have woven together the astrological, the existential, and the Jungian language into a meaningful conversation. I never did have a chance to have this conversation with him. But perhaps I would have attempted to describe the gifts and challenges that he was bringing over from past lives and look to see how this might have contributed even to an emotional hangover now, from unresolved soul issues. In his birth chart, Henry had both his sun and moon squaring Pluto, the god of the underworld, which governs transformation and renewal. Sometimes suicide is seen as an impatient desire for transformation. Isn't that interesting? An impatient desire for transformation. And one wonders if he had known about this idea and the Plutonian pressures within him that were lobbying for rapid change if he might have been able to be more patient with his process of change. Henry's situation was undoubtedly more complicated than I know, and I don't know if a few sessions with an astrological counselor would have made any difference. I'm sure his friends tried to help him many times and in many ways. Yet still, if I had a chance for a time together with him, I would have encouraged him to read about the psychologist Carl Jung's painful journey into his unconscious, his nervous breakdown, and the unusual things that he he did to come out of it. How he stopped his regular work and allowed himself lots of creative playtime and kept a series of journals in which he drew mandalas, and where he let his very active imagination run free. He also had the help of a woman who was neither his wife nor his therapist, just someone who would listen to him. After this passage of Jung's life was over, uh, and this happened around his Uranus uh, opposition around the age of 41, 42, he, uh, he gathered his black books, his journals, and compiled them into a large red book, which contained the fantasies or myth-making ideas that were in the smaller journals. Although he edited his his original journals greatly, his mandalas are still there. Now, the existentialists would say that it doesn't matter if one is outwardly successful in work or creativity as long as we can remain true to our authentic nature and respect our struggle. Perhaps what matters most is what we attempt, like the writer William Styron, to, help, to wrest meaning out of our experience rather than grasping for quick and literal solutions to problems of meaning and psychological pain. Too many of us perhaps use distraction, addiction, and rage to make our way through hard times. We get divorced, start a fight, drive too fast, buy too many things, or give in to our favorite addiction. What does it take to sustain meaning and the will to live for a person like Henry, or truly for any of us? I believe it sometimes takes an heroic effort to create meaning and love out of a life that feels devoid of both. We need loving relationships, a job, and a sense of purpose to hold us in hard times. As author and Auschwitz survivor Viktor Frankl wrote, quote, suffering minus meaning equals despair, unquote. He wrote that a sense of greater meaning in his life made all the difference for him. He felt that if one knows the why, one can bear the how. The existentialists wrote passionately about this kind of struggle to get meaning out of meaninglessness. And like a scrawny kid developing muscles, they believe that we all have the potential to create these meaning making muscles and to live an authentic life. So I'm going to stop there. That's the end of part one. And the next time we'll uh, continue with these thoughts. But I hope that there's been something that has stirred you today. And thanks for coming by. Uh, If you're interested in more, um, you can check out my website, which is northnodeastrology.com. Bye for now.